The New Grad Physio podcast is hosted by Andy Barker, consultant MSK and sports physiotherapist, private practice owner and the founder of The New Grad Physio. Having experienced his own rapid rise from student to dream job just 15 months after graduating, Andy knows exactly what it takes to accelerate your skills and fly up the promotion ladder faster than you ever thought possible. Having previously worked in his dream role at the Leeds Rhinos as the head of physio and rehab, Andy now consults with a number of individual elite athletes and within professional rugby, football and dance whilst running his own group of private practice clinics. He started the new grad physio to help student and new grad therapists just like you overcome the specific challenges you face at the start of your therapy career, helping you to dodge the common pitfalls that can cause confusion and overwhelm with your clinical practice and stop you getting the patient results and the jobs or promotions you deserve. This podcast will deliver you actionable advice, will help you make sense of your patient assessments, reason your treatments, and patient rehab to get results well beyond your level of experience. You will also discover what you need to do to open doors, to create opportunities for yourself, so you can enjoy the best possible start to life as a new grad physio. So, let's get started. So a lot of therapists think this is the, I guess the boring bit of of what we do with our, our patients, but the subjective assessment is, is for me the most important part of what we do it's the the first thing we do with all the patients we see and it's the first thing for a a very good reason and what I want to go through in this podcast episode is a couple of uh, really simple but vital mistakes that new grads are making over and over again that make your job to find exactly what's going on with your patient sometimes almost impossible you know, everyone's almost, I don't know, too eager and too keen to get to the, the sexy bit of what we do, you know, the, the hands-on bit, assessing your patient on the bed, those special tests, and even more so maybe, you know, getting your hands dirty, so to speak, and, and treating your patient and giving them rehab. And sometimes that means we we gloss over that subjective assessment. And I'm going to tell you, you know, I, I certainly did that when I was a new grad, and I'll explain, you know, why I some of the mistakes that I made and, and why I think that that happened. But it's such an important part of, of what we do. But it's an area of what we do that is, is often undervalued and not done very well. Before we get going, I'll just introduce myself. I am Andy Barker. I am a consultant, MSK um, physio, working in both private practice and sport. And the aim of this podcast is to, to try and give you actionable help and support that you can actually take away and use with the the patients or the athletes that you're working with yourself. So, thinking back to uni, I'm sure it was the same for you as it was for me. We were told you go through your subjective assessment and by the end of the subjective assessment, you're, you know, with a fair degree of certainty, you're meant to know what is going on with your patient, right? Sound about right. And then what you do then, you've got a, a hypothesis, if you want to call it that. You test that out during the objective assessment to, to not to rule in or, or rule out that hypothesis. And this sounds pretty simple on paper. But unfortunately for us and for you and for me, we don't work on paper. We have real people 
uh, in our clinics, in our departments, we work with real athletes that have real problems. And none of these real people act like paper. They don't act like the textbooks told us they would. And typically, I was on a call the other day, um, yesterday actually, with with a new grad um, over in Australia who's, who just, just joined the, the sort of membership. And he, and he absolutely nailed it. He's in his last year studying in Australia, um, wanting to, to graduate next year but wants to get ahead of the game he's already realizing having been out of placement i guess what he is being taught at uni and what he he needs to know in the real world are very different so he's acting now to to try and get ahead of the game and and i guess to try and smooth out that transition um to when he does graduate and he said no we were taught at university we were were taught you know you, you see this problem um you know you do this thing so again you you find a diagnosis you know someone's got patellofemoral joint pain then you do this treatment technique uh, or you do this rehab exercise and the pain goes away and I guess that what we got into talking about was that's all well and good but again every patient you see is very different and I'm going to talk in more detail about this but you know no you know you shouldn't know what treatment and what rehab you're going to do with the patient before you've assessed them and you, and you can see next 100 patients you see could all have uh, patellofemoral joint pain but might all require different hands-on work and different rehab, depending upon how they assess. So to say you see you know, problem A and then you do solution B, which might be a treatment technique, it might be a rehab exercise, is totally inaccurate. And, and again, if you've seen patients in real life, whether that's on placement, whether that's you know, real people who are, who are giving you money in the clinic or coming to see you in, say, the NHS or whatever it is, you will know that these sort of textbook cases don't exist no they certainly don't come come to my clinic uh, and any of the athletes that I work with are, are certainly far from simple uh, and I'm sure they don't turn up at your clinic so I'm not really sure where where they are going um, or even if these these sort of patients exist because I've, I've never seen one and I and I, and I mean that um, with total honesty you know there's always differences in in patients how they present the goals they want to to want to achieve you know, past medical history is going to be different. They might have comor- comorbidities and other problems that we need to uh, to acknowledge and be aware of, and that can, can actually affect our, our treatment planning. Going back to the patient assessment, that you know, to do a, a good patient assessment that's going to help you identify the right patient problem, we need three things. We need, firstly, a diagnosis. We need a problem list, and we need an end goal. Three things, diagnosis, problem list, end goal. So diagnosis is what's causing your patient's pain. That might be patella tendinopathy. It might be a slap tear in the shoulder. The problem list is different. That's not the diagnosis. The problem list is the things that you have found largely in the objective assessment and the things that you need to focus on as part of the treatment plan. So that might be pain. You might have to manage pain. That might be a reduction in range of movement or a, you know, an output or a strength issue. The end goal, again, pretty simple, but that's a clear target that you and your patient agree on. It's knowing what you're actually aiming for. Because again, if you don't know what the end goal is, how are you going to plan and implement an effective treatment plan? If you don't know what you're actually heading for in the first place, it is almost impossible to achieve that. So... Those are the three things we need, a diagnosis, a problem list, and we need an end goal. Making sense of all this and you know, thinking about treatment and rehab planning, we can't do this unless we understand what's going on with our patient. 
And this all starts with your subjective assessment. So I want to go through a couple of, of really simple but common mistakes that new grads make specifically related to the subjective assessment. And if I guess the, the idea here is if you know what these mistakes are, you can avoid them because these mistakes, although simple, can cause a lot of misery, a lot of havoc um, for you as a, as a physio and your ability to actually find the right patient diagnosis. And one of the common things that I see when patients don't, uh, sorry, not patients, when therapists don't get this right, and when particularly with new grads, is they often end up trying to find some of this information later on. So commonly this is, you know, you're still asking subjective questions in in sessions two, three, even four. Sometimes, sometimes you know, longer than that because you've not done a, a the best job that you could in that initial assessment. And again, that often means that you've probably wasted you know two or three treatment sessions. If you're still subjectively assessing your patient in session three or four, then you know you've wasted probably the other sessions prior to that. And again, we know keeping patients on track keeping them adhered to their treatment plan can sometimes be difficult. And if they're not improving, if they're not getting better, their pain's not dampening down, their function's not improving, you know, by session three or four, you know, they probably may be starting to question whether you've got the skills to actually help them. So again, it's really important that we nail this in session one. So the first, I guess, concept I want to cover was, again, not undervaluing the past medical history. You know, it's not just patients that struggle with this part of the subjective assessment. You know, um, patients often are poor historians. We know that. And, and there are certain tips and tricks you can use to make sure you get all the information you need out of the past medical history. But it's therapists also that really struggle with this. And I admit, early in my career, um, the subjective assessment, particularly away from sport, in private practice, um, was my weakest area. I don't mind, you know, holding my hands up and admitting that. Um, I partly blame sport for this, and and I explain why in in a moment. Because, um, I guess working predominantly in sport in my in my early career, and you know, I still do that to this day. Now, I'm certainly doing more private practice work um, now than I I did back then. But I guess working in in sport, the subjective assessment could often look a little bit different than it might do in private practice or the NHS. Because typically, you already know, you know, your players. You know, you know um, they're about their past injuries, medical problems. Um, you've probably seen them get injured. So, so, for example, like the mechanism of injury, you've either been there, a trainer or a game, or at the very least, maybe got one of the analysts to, to clip the injury. You've seen it before you even assess them sometimes on the bed. So you have the information you get before maybe you uh, face-to-face, even with with a, with a player, can be sometimes be very different. Um, clearly, this is very, very different to private practice um, and also the NHS world, where when you see a patient, you've seen them for the first time, you don't know anything about them. And even if you've got information from a referral, a, you know, a GP, a consultant, again, you're starting from scratch. But sometimes that can be a good thing. And I certainly found that I I thought I knew um, more about my players than I actually did. I thought I had most of the information I needed. But I was wrong. And I guess the problem that I had, it, it made me overlook the subjective assessment. And I'd often gloss over it. 
but then I'd sometimes struggle to to really work out what was going on with the players I was working with. And then I guess this just translated into the work I was doing in the private clinic. Uh, and again, I I sort of wouldn't really value the subjective assessment from being totally honest. And I didn't really you know understand that really and notice that and wasn't aware of that at the time. But it made me really struggle sometimes to to make sense with what was going on with with patients. And if you think about what the past medical history you know, his aim, you know, the aim of it is to help you identify previous injuries, surgeries, and other medical issues. You know, key information that not only might make you aware of anything serious that's gone on in the past or currently, but also helps you make sense of both the site and source of a patient's injury. So this is crucial. So this is, you know, the part of the subjective assessment that I I think is the most important especially when we're considering overuse and non-traumatic injuries because what these injuries are are ultimately a result of compensation when the body has changed the way it is working the way it's moving the way it's loading often in reply to previous injuries so think about issues like an achilles tendon or, or a patella tendon that's grumbly patellofemoral joint pain they've already mentioned you know, um, FAAI at the hip, a low back, you know, non-specific low back pain. You know, you name it, these issues often are non-traumatic. They're nearly always the result of something else that's gone on in the past that is causing the body to compensate, causing the body to move differently and to load differently. Just, again, this seems really, really simple, but I, this is how I might explain it to a patient. So they've got Achilles pain. So they do the same number of steps on their left leg and right leg. So why have they only got Achilles pain on their right leg? Their right you know, ankle, their Achilles, is loading differently to the left. I want to know why. And again, that might be a really simple way of explaining a problem to, to a patient. Because again, if you don't work this out as the physio, you're only going to be able to do half the job. And, and whilst you might be awesome at treating your patient's symptoms like Achilles pain, for example, if you do not identify and treat the cause of these symptoms, then no matter how good that treatment plan is to treat the symptoms, if the cause of these symptoms is left untreated, it's just going to be a matter of time before the problem comes back. So again, we see this all the time in clinics, and I'm sure you've had it with your own patients, where they seemingly are progressing quite well, you've got rid of the pain, function's okay, Achilles you know pain might be a good example of that you've gone through some hopping you've let them go back running and then a week or two later the pain's back and you wonder why so what's happened here you've probably you've probably done a great job at dampening down the pain dealing with the symptoms maybe switch on a few muscles but then you've, you've not identified why this achilles was overloading in the the first place so really key to helping you do this is to extract the information from the subjective assessment and in particular the past medical history so my advice to you would be to take your time with the past medical history if you want to be sure that you've not missed any key you know vital patient information that's going to help you not only find the the patient problem but also the the cause of this problem each and every time the second concept i want to talk about was if it doesn't make sense do it again. So if you, what your patient's telling you during the subjective assessment sounds wrong, just doesn't, again, make sense, uh, doesn't sort of follow a, a clinical pattern, then it probably is wrong. If the answer to one of those questions 
you know, sounds a bit bizarre. Doesn't really sound like the the common answers that you commonly would hear. You might need to ask it again. Most new grads won't do this. So what most new grads will do is sort of think that doesn't really make much sense, and then just carry on with the remainder of their assessment. You know, after all, you know, you've only got you know maybe forty five minutes, maybe less, you know, maybe a bit more if you're lucky to get through your subjective assessment, to get through your objective assessment, and then maybe to try and give your patient some treatment or rehab in that first session. You feel under pressure. So again, the tendency is just to carry on. You, know, you feel time pressured, you look up at the clock, you know, you're already 15 minutes into the, the session, you've got 45 minutes, you, know, you wanna get, you know, get going with the objective assessment. But what you're doing here is probably setting yourself up for failure. Because first and foremost, I think trying to fully assess someone, so subjective and objective, to try and treat them, to try and give them rehab, sometimes is not feasible in, in the very first session, depending on the time the time you've got. And again, one of the one of the key things here is you don't know how long your subjective assessment is going to take. Like you, you, you don't know. Until you've, I guess, completed it, you don't know how long it's going to take. And you can't, you know, move on. Um, I was teaching at the weekend on my course and on, I was talking about this concept and I and I put the you know, Monopoly, the, the board game, and it was the do not pass go um, sort of logo on the on the screen. And, and the, the point I was making here is, you know, if you've not done a good job with your subjective, if you're not happy with your subjective assessment, if you think, think there are things that are missing from your subjective assessment, don't carry on. No, don't pass go. Don't just, you know, bury your head in the sand and think, oh, I'll be able to work this out in the objective assessment because largely you you won't be able to, to do that. So go back to the subjective assessment. Maybe it's a case of just asking um, the question again. You know, you might need to ask just the same question again in the same way. You might need to frame it slightly differently to your patient. They might have just misunderstood or misheard what you said. They might be a bit nervous, um, you know, being in the physio, being asked all these questions, it might be quite overwhelming for them. So there's probably reasons as to why this might have happened. But if you get a response that does not make sense, it does not sound right, it's probably not right. And again, you need to go back and, and we need to just make sure we do do the simple things um, really well. And, and the subjective assessment, you know, in theory is quite a simple process. You know, if, if you're happy with the structure, you understand um, the questions you're asking and, and why you're asking them. And you also understand what some of the common answers your patients will give, what they actually mean. Then we can get a real insight into what's going on with our patients. And ultimately, it's the first step for us, you know, to, to be able to, to help them. And the subjective assessment is so important because it informs everything else you do. You know, it help, it's going to help you rule in or rule out any serious injuries, pathologies, red flags. It's going to make sure your patient is in the right place and is, you know, safe to be uh, assessed. It's going to help you identify not only the patient's main problem, you know, the reason they've, they've come to see you, but any other past injuries they've had, medical issues, that might have not only contributed to their current injury, but potentially also be a potential barrier to a successful rehab plan. It helps direct your objective assessment, so you can focus in on specific areas of the body and complete you know, specific special tests to rule in or rule out certain injuries, rather than just having to test everything, you know, everything at the knee or the low back, just because you're a bit unsure about what's going on. 
The subjective assessment is also going to give you a really clear and specific end goal for your patient's treatment plan. Because again, without an end goal, how are you going to plan a successful treatment plan? You know, it's a part of what we do, the subjective assessment, is so important, it's so vital, yet so many new grads take it for granted. And I'm almost certain I'd put money on the fact that if you were to score the I guess the main you know, main parts of what you do as a physio. I think the subjective assessment, the objective assessment, hands-on skills, rehab planning. If you were to, to score those key areas, I suspect as a new grad that the subjective assessment would be, if not the highest, it'd be up there with one of the strongest areas of your practice. Or, or so you think. You probably think you struggle more maybe with your objective assessment, usually special testing and the like. Um, or maybe you find hands-on treatments or rehab you know planning and provision a bit more difficult uh, i'm almost certain that's you and you know not that you can respond to me on a, on a podcast episode but um if that sounds like you i know this because this is what night probably 90 percent nine out of ten therapists tell me when i you know speak to them on on a on one of my calls or when we're exchanging emails and, and direct messages or when they reach out to me to start with to, to apply for, for my new graph physio membership. There's some simple questions I ask them and um, and one of the, you know, when they when members first join, um, I ask them to complete um, a couple of tasks just to get some more information about them and one of them is to, to actually score those different areas of their practice and nearly always the subjective assessment is um, their high scoring areas it's the thing they're most comfortable with or confident with but when we start to look a bit more closely at what they are doing in the subjective assessment almost exclusively they're all making some simple yet vital mistakes with their subjective assessment and it's largely not their fault it's not your fault i did the same thing as a new grad as i mentioned a little bit earlier on you're just doing what you were told at uni. You know, you've rope learned um, some questions as part of the subjective assessment, or maybe you're just reading the questions from a computer screen or you know a template you use in the clinic, because um, that's what the clinic have told you to do, without really any understanding about the questions you're asking and what those answers to those questions actually mean. Plus you were also missing some really other simple questions that don't form part of a, the more traditional orthopedic sort of subjective assessment um, questioning, but questions that are really vital if you were serious about helping your patients get, get out of pain and back to full health. Questions that will help you identify the real reason they have come for physio, and this is not pain, as most therapists would think, and what is going to keep them motivated and on track with their rehab plan. Given the importance of the subjective assessment, um, I'm starting both sessions on both my lower limb online and upper limb online courses with a subjective assessment masterclass. Here, I will show you the exact template I use to assess each and every patient I see, whether that's someone in the clinic, whether that's a professional athlete. It's the same template I give to members um, of my new grad physio membership to use with their own patient so i've just opened registration to join me for this special one day event it's live it's online it's happening on saturday the 27th of may 2023 i've got the lower limb course happening in the morning from 9 a.m till midday 12 p.m that's uk time 
and then the upper limb course will kick off an hour later, so 1pm till 4pm, so two three-hour blocks, two courses um, back-to-back. And as well as the Subjective Assessment Masterclass, I'll also be covering the Objective Assessment, including special testing, plus I'll be covering specific hands-on treatment techniques and rehab exercises for both lower limb and upper limb injuries. And for the very first time on my online courses, I'll be including actual you know, filmed content from my in-person courses. I held these last weekend, um, and I'm going to take a, a couple of short segments out of there and include them in the online courses so you can see me um, assessing, treating, rehabbing actual real problems, um, you know, like I did on the on the in-person course weekend. So each course is just £37, or you can come to both courses for an additional £12, so for just £49. Um, and best of all, you can see all this from the comfort of your own home. So there's no travel anywhere, staying overnight, you know, train fares, you know, car, putting petrol in your car, which you know how expensive that is, you know, staying over, getting food. Um, literally all you need is a laptop, a tablet, a phone. Um, I'll send you the links to, to join once you've signed up. Uh, and that's it. You can um, you can sit back, you can enjoy it. You'll get sent a course manual. That'll include the slides. You'll get a CPD certificate for the courses that you attend. It would be awesome for to you know for you to join me and to see you there. Um, I've opened just a hundred um, places, and this is you know the, the software allows me to to have a lot more people on the on the courses. But again, I found from past experience and errors um, that having too many people just becomes unmanageable. I, I want to be able to um, deliver a course that gives you all the information you need, and part of that will be um, have an opportunity at the end to ask some questions in a Q and A. If I've got a thousand people on the course, um, clearly if I get a lot of questions, um, that is going to mean the course is very long. You know, in lockdown, I remember holding a course, uh, a webinar, and there was uh, roughly around six hundred people on there, and the webinar itself was forty-five minutes, and the Q and A was ninety minutes, um, so it's twice as long as the actual webinar. Which, again, for a course like this, becomes becomes a bit unmanageable. So I've only opened a hundred um, places. Um, so again, if you want to join, then please move quickly hopefully in this podcast episode I, I've brought to your attention a couple of, of errors um, that you may be making with your own patients and hopefully it's just stressed the importance of how how vital the subjective um, assessment is so if you do want to you know maybe upskill um, your own subjective assessment and maybe learn a different way to structure this subjective assessment learn how to link your subjective and objective assessments together so you look confident, you feel confident in front of your patients, even as a young and inexperienced physio, then these online courses are for you. So I'll put the links to sign up to the courses in the um, in the show notes. So just head there, just look at the description below, click the, click the link, and then the rest of it should be easy. But should you have any issues um, signing up or anything like that, then please just let me know. So that's it for this week's podcast episode. Thanks as always for your time and attention and for joining me. It'd be awesome to see you shortly on the online courses. Um, and, and again, just big thanks for joining me on this week's episode. So I hope you enjoy the rest of your day, whatever you have planned. And I will see you again very soon on another episode of the New Grad Physio Podcast. Thanks for listening to the New Grad Physio Podcast. Before you head off, I just wanted to make sure you did not miss this. Alongside his podcast, Andy posts a weekly blog on his website, 
www.newgradphysio.com. You can access all his blogs and loads more resources like his recent PDF, The 5 Breakthrough Steps to Confidently Treat the Shoulder Right Every Time, Avoid Mistakes and Stop You Feeling Less Adequate Than Other New Grads. This is Andy's most popular resource and has already been accessed by thousands of therapists just like you. To get a copy of this PDF or to get more information about Andy's upcoming courses or find out more about his new grad physio membership, head to www.newgradphysio.com. Have a great day and we will catch you on the next podcast episode.